Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Gratefulness fuels actually generosity in our lives. When we're grateful people, we just it's, it's easy to give away what's in our possession. And so we believe, and I don't know that there's a lot of uh, newer people here today, uh, when we make those faith declarations, we're not just saying that we would be fat and blessed and have big houses and big cars. No, no, no. We recognize that in order to freely give, we have got to, must first freely receive. And that's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18, uh, 10 verse 8. He says, freely you received, freely give. So we can only give away what's in our possession, what's in our hand. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9, and we believe that it's God's will that we're all generous. Come on. It's the will of God that you're generous. It's not just a, a select few or rich people. And uh, if this is the only message you've been on this series, I encourage you to go and listen to the series because all the messages have kind of built on one another. And it'd be easy to take an isolated message and pull it out of context, right? And so I'd encourage you, um, some of you might have some problems with some things that I talk about today. First of all, because we're talking about money in church, which is kind of illegal in America, um, <clears throat> which is interesting because Jesus talked about money more than he did any other subject. More than love or grace, actually. Jesus talked more about money. It's great, but we're not allowed to do that in church. All right, so uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12, it says, You would be enriched in every way. So it's God's will that you be enriched in every way, not just financially. Generosity isn't just about your money. It could be about your time. Some of you give your money freely, but you don't give your time freely. Some of you give your time freely, but you don't give your money freely. Some of you give your time and your money freely, but you don't give your energy freely. Right? No heart in it. You're just doing it out of obligation. God wants all of it. He wants, he wants your heart, soul, mind, and God, God doesn't want your money. He wants you. Right? Come on. And so, uh, but, you know, our money is often an indicator of where our heart is. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. But it says that you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. How many occasions? Every occasion. So when someone cuts you off in traffic, you've got to be generous with your attitude. Right? Oh, had to do that a couple of times traveling this week. Right? You get all like when someone offends you, right? We talked about last week that, that offense is the posture of the of, of, of the poverty spirit, of the orphan spirit is offended easily. We are not offended easily. We're royalty. We can afford that, right? We can afford it when somebody cuts us off in traffic. <laughs> we got enough joy in our life that we don't have to lose it because somebody does us wrong. Come on. On every occasion and through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So the fruit of gratefulness is generosity and the fruit of generosity is blessing. So when you are generous, you get blessed, right? Uh, I'm convinced that if you're generous with your time, God will redeem your time and make all your time better, more fruitful, Sometimes I look at my week and I'm like, how did I get so much done this week? Well, because I've really consecrated my time. I've been generous with my time. I've given it to God. And I've seen this happen in other people's lives. I'm like, how do you have the time to serve? Well, I make the time to serve. And because I make the time to serve and because I put God first and I'm generous with my time, although, although it seems like I have all this time on my hands. What is that? Well, God's redeeming the time that you've sown. Come on. And so the bless, and then, and, and, and the reward is blessing. It's just an increase. So it's like the faster we can give it away, time, energy, resources, whatever it is, the faster it comes in on our life. It just becomes this system that's happening. And I'm starting to see this because this, this message is, you know, I'm kind of preaching some of this in the mirror. And I've noticed it be tested throughout this series, my attitude, my finances, everything. And um, so the blessing we receive from being generous so that the result is not really my goal. But it's to be like God, because we're most like God when we're giving. Um, so generous uh, is, is not our mo- motivation. It's, I'm sorry, blessing is not our motivation. We're not doing it to get, but it happens. You get. When you, when you give, God gives back. It's just the way it works, because he's, he's faithful. So we're talking about stewardship today. This is kind of the famous passage on stewardship. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. It will be like a man going on a journey. He's talking about the kingdom. And entrusted his property to them, to his servants. Uh, called his servants and entrusted his pro- uh, property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. 
That's very important, right? He didn't give the one that could only handle one talent, five talents. Right? So he gave them the, the money according to how well they could handle it. So there was already some principle taking place here. Then he went on his journey, and the man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received one talent went out, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. The poverty spirit. After a long time, had, uh, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Uh, master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, the good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. It says the exact same thing. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. But Lord, you only gave me one. Master, he said, I knew you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Now, how many know that that's a lie? What he was saying, he was he had a misconception. He said, you haven't sown. He did so. He gave you a talent. A talent was a sum of money. It's not like one dollar. It's a, it's a chunk of money. You only gave me one. You didn't give me anything. Is basically what he's saying. You're a hard man. You didn't give me anything. So I was afraid because I knew you to be a hard man. How many know that it's hard to be generous and it's hard to be steward when we have a misconception about the goodness of God? Because this is what happens is fear takes over and we say, oh, if I give, then God won't, God won't take care of my needs. If I, if I go and invest this one chunk, then God isn't faithful enough to give it back. So I'm going to be kind of screwed. Right? But it was all due to this. I knew you to be a hard man, so I was afraid. See, whenever we're, that, is, that is an orphan spirit. Right? Because he's fearful. It's a fearful slave. We talked about that last week. So here he's fearful. He's like, I knew you to be a hard man, misconception, and then he's fearful. So I was afraid. See, when we do not understand who we are in God, we don't understand our royalty in God, then what happens is, 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 is first of all, we don't understand God because he did, we don't understand how great of a price he paid for us, that he gave us Jesus, he gave everything that we need according to life and godliness. And then what happens is we start functioning and going, well, you were hard. God, you're really not good. So I was afraid. I was afraid. Why? Because I knew you to be a hard man. You okay? So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here it is. It's what belongs to you. I'm giving you what you gave me. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Whoa, can we get back to like baby in the manger, Jesus? Right? Lord, how about the lady at the well? Tell that story again. Tell all the nice little pretty stories. His master replied, <laughs> You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put your money on a deposit with the bankers. You see, when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. At least invest it in the bank, put it in the bank so I'd get some interest. You went and dug it and put it in the ground because you were fearful. I would that you have received it with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. Well, that's unfair. Doesn't it appear? Give it to the one with ten talents. Why? Because he was a good steward. And one more talent for him, he'll, he'll make two out of it. For everyone who has will be given more, and he, who has an, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. So he's talking about stewarding the master's money. Now, how many of you know that the money that you have in your bank account or the time that you have, the 24 hours that you have, it really isn't yours? Especially if you've given your life to Jesus and you're saying, 
you're my God. You're my Lord. You're my King. You've said that. Then by saying that, you're saying that everything that is in your life, in your possession, in your control, belongs to Him. Now, when we start talking about money, we get all kind of defensive and stuff. Why? Because money is an indicator. It's also a leader, but money's an indicator. So we, oh, it's my money. Oh, it's my time. I need to make sure that I have my time for me so I can't serve any. But we make time for going clubbing, and we make time for, you know, going to the movies, and we make time for doing all the things that we want to do. But when it comes to giving up and sacrificing some time to do something for God, we go, well, I don't have any. Can I tell you today that everything that we have, Psalm 24, 1, says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything's God. God's. <clears throat> make, make that clear. Don't quote that. Don't tweet that. Everything's God's. <laughs> right? And we are the executors of his will. So God takes everything that he has and he gives it to you. See, everything that you have is God's and he's saying, what will you do with what I've given you? And we go, well, God, if I had more, I would do this. He's not concerned if you had more. He's just concerned with what's in your possession. See, you're not more generous because you give a million dollars or ten dollars. Because the most generous person in Scripture, we reference this every week, was a little widow that had less than a penny that she gave. The most generous person in Scripture that we see. Why? Because she gave everything she had. Someone else could come in and give a million bucks. It's no big deal. They write the check. We're believing for someone to come and write us a check for 200 grand. That's what we're believing for, so you can pray for that. For somebody, that's not even generous. That's just, no problem. You need two, 200 grand? Wow, okay. How, how, much, how about 250? Great. Right? Not a problem. For some of us, we're like, oh, yeah, like, give me like 50 years to raise that. Right? So generosity isn't necessarily an amount. Right? It's a position of our heart. <laughs> it's more about what's left over, really. So we get to steward all that God has. God has a lot. So when you get more, that means God's entrusting you with more. Right? Okay, you're a really good steward. So what God, what, what is happening, listen, is the finances that you have, the job that you have, the time that you have, the energy that you have, those all belong to God. He's given them to you. If you are faithful with that, he'll give you more to rule over. So it's not about my lack. That's a poverty spirit. Well, I don't have. If I had more, I would give more. What do you have? God's not concerned about where you're going to be in 10 years. He's concerned about where you're at right now. Will you be faithful with little? And I will make you ruler over much. So we're going to talk this morning about godly stewardship. This is going to be pretty practical. I'm not real good at the practical thing, y'all know. Just kind of list it out. So how we manage, well, how we manage what we have now will dictate how much we manage later. So the first thing in godly stewardship is this. Put God first. Put God first. Put God first. Put God first in your time. Well, God's first in my time. How much time did you spend with God today? Uh, I just didn't have time. Because it's your time. How much time did you serve this year? I just don't really have the energy. I'm wore out. Or during the week, it didn't have to be at church. Come on, are you with me? <clears throat> you should serve at church, but it should, this should be the floor, not the ceiling. Come on, of serving. So put God first. Check this out. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. So do not worry about these things. Now he's talking about, you know, all the worries of life, the troubles of life, the bills to pay, right? These are things that concern us. What to wear. Am I going to put gas in my vehicle, right? Am I going to get my garage door repaired? Rich people problems. Am I going to pay my cable bill? Rich people problems. These are rich people. I would encourage some of y'all, where are you talking about rich? You are rich. If you make 15 grand a year, you're in the top 1% of the world. So you're, you're richer than 99% of the people on the earth if you make 15 grand a year. You are rich. Right? No, that's uh, 30% or something. So you're rich. You can go to, there's a website out there that you can like search 
It's called uh, the Global Rich List. You can type in your money and it'll show you how, how many people you're more rich than. <laughs> and you are. You live in America, you're rich. The government will give you more than that. America. Okay. Matthew chapter 6. So do not worry about these things, what, you, what to eat, what to drink, what to wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Oh. Whoops. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So what's the key to being provided for? Seek the kingdom. How many know that Jesus is talking about finances? That's why he says, and live righteously. So when he's talking about seek the kingdom, how are we seeking the kingdom with our riches, with our money, with our resources, with our time, our energy? All these sacred reasons, how are we seeking, how are we putting the kingdom first? Right? So I just ask you that as a question, how? And you might have a great list. Praise God. And I have a list too, and I'm trying to increase that. I'm trying to emphasize more the kingdom in my life and my finances. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Everything. Everything you need will be provided for if you just, he's just saying, if you just put me first, I got it. God's will, God's bill. I will take care of you. If you put the kingdom first and you will seek me and you will live for me righteously, if you'll put your time, energy, and resources, if, if the kingdom will be the number one goal, not your entertainment, not your education, if the kingdom will be your goal, I'll make sure everything's taken care of. Your education, your entertainment, your clothes, your food. Don't worry. Listen, when we put the kingdom first, it puts us in a worry-free zone. All of a sudden, you don't have to go, man, I don't know if the bills are going to get paid anymore. You go, man, I've been faithful to God. I know he's going to take care of it. It develops faith in you. Some of you are like, you stress out. I can't afford it. I can't afford it. Why? Because you're living in fear because you haven't put the kingdom first. If you put the kingdom first, it alleviates that fear, and you go, well, I don't have nothing to worry about. God's first and final finances. I don't have to worry about the bills. I mean, you're going to pay them, right? You're going to write the check because it's in your possession. And you're a good steward. You guys with me? So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow brings its own worries. Today's trouble have enough for today. So don't stress out. How are the bills going to get paid? Put the kingdom first. Pay the bills, but put the kingdom first. Because you are the kingdom, right? So it's important that your household is taken care of. Come on. All right. So when we talk about putting God first, and I know that this is here today, there's a principle in Scripture called the first fruits. Okay? We call it the tithe. And the, 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 the first fruits is basically every portion of money you get, you peel a layer off the top and you give it back to God. Right? So wherever you're, wherever you're starting at with that, it's a, it's a percentage. It's not a bill. It's a, it's a tithe. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a giving back. Listen, God could be this way. He could say, I'm going to keep 90% and you keep 10%. See, the Jews, we're not talking about the Jewish standard. The Jewish standard was like 25 to 27%. That's what the law required. We're not talking about the law of tithing. We're talking about the principle of tithing. Are you guys with me? The first fruits. Um, one of the things with tithing is it reveals that God's first. Well, God knows he's first, but do you know that God's first? I do. I sure do. I know that God's first. We say that prideful. God's first in my finances. Really? Let's look at your checkbook. Right? Or you look at your checkbook. Is God first? Look at your bank account. Is God first? How do you know? So, so the, the first fruit, the tithe, reveals that God's first. Let's go, oh, see? And for me, I'm like, that's the indicator. I'm like, that gives me faith. It gives, listen, I can live in more faith by tithing than not tithing. Because I'm going, I know God's going to take care of it because I'm in, I am faithful with his finances. I put him first. I put him first. It's not rooted in fear because so many have tried to use that as a, as a leverage. Well, if you don't tithe, the plagues. You've got to pay seven times back those tithes. For, I've heard this stuff preached before. And it's just and we get rooted in fear. Listen, in the, in the new covenant, we're, we're sons. We're adopted. We're putting the kingdom first. Come on. It's not rooted in fear. It's rooted in love and gratefulness. God, I mean, I made a hundred bucks today. 
Here's ten bucks. Can you let me live off nine meat? Right? It's not rooted in fear. It's rooted in love and gratefulness. Malachi 3, the scripture we use, which, by the way, isn't written in the law. This is Malachi. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. How many know that stealing is a universal sin? In the sense that stealing, whether you're a Jew under the Old Covenant or you're a person that lives in Texas. Stealing is stealing and stealing. It's a moral law. It's not a Levitical law. It's not a ceremonial law. It's not a civil law for Jews. It's a universal law. It's wrong to steal. It's wrong to take what belongs to someone else. So he says this. How do we rob you, God? Maybe <laughs> we'll do that. He says, in tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, the whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole, whole tithe. If you have a paper Bible, you can underline, underline whole, whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. And see if I'm, the only time that God ever gives us permission to test him is in our finances. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have enough room for it. So test me. Watch. Give it to me and watch. Test me. Put me on trial. All right, God. Preacher said. That's why we do that tithe challenge. He said, man, I, just, man, I don't really have the faith to tithe and all I should do. It. So we, we tell you, hey, tithe for three months. Make that commitment to us. We'll talk about it. And if at the end of three months God doesn't take care of you, we'll give you all that money back. Why? Because we want to help you understand this principle works. Then he says this, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields and will not cast their fruit. And they will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, and yours will be delightful in the land. Check that out. That people will call you blessed because you don't rob God. <laughs> God, I'm not going to steal from you. Okay, you're blessed. Listen, the, 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 the tithe is God's. That's why we don't give the tithe. We bring the tithe. So you can't bring something. You can't give something that doesn't belong to you. When we hold it, we're stealing. Why? Because it's already God's. So we don't give the tithe, we bring the tithe. That's why the New Testament never says give the tithe. But the New Testament speaks of tithing. Jesus actually, the only thing that Jesus ever complimented the the religious people on is that they tithe. He's like, you tithe, that's good. However, your heart should be in it. That's what he said. Uh, Notice in in Luke chapter 20, verse 25, Jesus says this. He He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar. We call it paying our taxes. And give to God what is God's. What is already God's that's in our possession when it comes to finances? The tithe, it's already God's. So to hold it, I'm robbing God. So the tithe is God's. We don't give it, we bring it. Here you go, God. It's already yours. Uh, Jaden, who is in here this morning, our Canadian friend, uh, been with us for about three years, uh, Jaden was coming to our church when we were meeting on Saturday nights, and then he left. He was, he's a college student, and he was going to college, and he left for a year. Well, when he left, he put his golf clubs in my attic. I didn't put them in there because they were really heavy. And so I let him store his stuff in our attic for like a year. Remember that? For like a year. Was it more than a year? It was a year. So there's these golf clubs in my attic. Now, those were in my possession. But were they my golf clubs? Did I have the right to take those golf clubs and go play golf? Did I have the right to take those golf clubs and sell them on eBay? I wanted to many times. But what, if, what would I be doing if I, do, if I sold them or if I gave them away? I would be doing, giving away something that wasn't mine. Even just because it's in your possession doesn't mean it's yours. And so I would be robbing Jaden by selling those golf clubs. And sometimes I think, man, I should have sold those golf clubs. No, I don't. Because stealing is stealing is stealing. It doesn't change. It's a moral absolute. So the tithe is God's. 
uh, the tithe goes into the storehouse. The storehouse is the operations of the temple. The old school temple would be, you know, the religious and ceremony and those kind of things. It comes in uh, to the kingdom. We believe that it comes into the church. As we believe that takes care of the needs of the church. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. And then the result is blessing and protection. He said that, he said that the things that are in your possession, they won't rot. And the, 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 um, the one translation says it this way, it rebukes the devourer. So the enemy would come in and try to devour what you have. It's rebuked what he's trying to do. God rebukes it. Why? Because you just didn't rob God. <laughs> it's not because you did something great. You just gave God already what was already his. You just surrendered it. So I'm often asked, why should people give? And this is kind of a, a side note, very practical. Why should I give faithful to the local church? Okay, why should you give faithfully? If this is your church, why should you give? Well, first of all, it blesses God. It blesses God that you give to the church. Could you bless God other ways? Give in other people? Yes. But why not go ahead and bless God where you're being blessed, especially if you come week in, week out, and receive? Right? Come on. So you should. You're a partner. You're not a taker. Come on. We're together on this thing. Um, blessing our tithers. We, we tithe to Overflow Church. This is our church. We receive here. We benefit from the ministry that happens. So we give. We're not tippers. Right? We don't come, ah, oh, today's a good service. I'll give a little more. Right? <laughs> it wasn't so good. <laughs> Only some lunch. Sorry, I couldn't afford to give. I need to go eat some lunch. I need to go buy a steak. Right? <laughs> so it blesses God. Number two, it blesses your church. It supports the vision. You believe in the vision. You keep coming. You believe in the vision. Right? You believe in the staff. Right? That's how we pay our staff. You believe in having warm air. Most of the town in the sanctuary and screens at work and sound systems and band sounds. You enjoy all these things and the electricity and all those things going to be paid for. Well, how's it paid for? Because the people of the church, we are the church. We don't have government funding. You know, we, we, uh, when we first started the church, we, we sent a thing on uh, Craigslist and we were like, hey, does, if anybody has any like stuff we could donate for our church and offer. And this lady sends Leslie this scathing email. How can you, the government pays for you? Like government did not give the church any money at all. We get a tax break on things that we purchase and we buy, but we don't, they don't give us any money. So, it blesses your church. Um, you're a partner. You are the church. And listen, when the church is blessed, so are you. Right? If you came in here and it was cold because, and the lights weren't working, the sound system weren't working because the AC was out, or it's cold because we weren't able to pay the gas bill, you wouldn't, you would feel that, right? But you get to come because you're faithful, because you're a part of the church, because you contribute. You get to come and you get to enjoy those things that you graciously give to all the time. The staff that provides the services for you and works and those kind of things. We, by the way, we have no full-time staff, including myself. Uh, so you're a partner. You are the church. So it blesses the church. Number three, it blesses you. And we're kind of talk about that. Um, can I tell you today that you are, you receive best where you're invested most. You receive best where you're invested most. I'll watch week after week the people that come in and that serve and give in their time. Now, we're, we talk a lot about money today, but listen, we're, t- we're talking about the whole gamut, the whole generosity thing. People come in, men that serve, they give it their time, but it show up here, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday when service doesn't start till 10.30, and they give it their time, and they're giving their offerings, and they're giving, you know, they're thinking about the church during the week, they're giving prayer time to it. All. Those are the people that are most blessed in the church. Why? Because God likes them more? No, just because we receive best where we need invested most. Um, I was into mountain biking a few years ago, and I was dumping all this money into mountain biking, right? I was dumping tons of money into it, and I received a lot from mountain biking. Why? Because where I was invested, yes, it is expensive, and I spent a lot of money, and, I, and it was beneficial to me. Why? Because I was invested. I spent time doing it, and it was beneficial to me. But when I quit investing time and money and all this kind of thing, because when you invest the money, you're like, well, I better get on my bike and ride it. I'm going to put that money. Eventually, I paid for it. <laughs> so I was kind of hanging up in the garage. Down. <laughs> I just quit investing, <laughs> right? So we receive best where we're invested most. Uh, one of the things that will help you in your attitude towards your church is by giving to your church. See, we don't follow our heart. We lead our heart. And one of the greatest ways that we lead our heart is in the area of our finances. And people use this scripture all the time backwards, Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 21. It says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what we say is, where my heart is, that's where I invest. No, no, no. That's not what it says. 
It says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So you pay it forward. When you give financially to something, mountain biking, right? Time, when you spend time, energy, resources, when you spend on something, it puts your heart there, right? Because it costs you a lot. So you're like, okay, I'll follow my heart. (laughs) Now you follow your heart. Why? Because you put your heart there. So, so some people are like, I'm just not receiving from church. All right, well, give it Leslie and talk about your giving records. Get with Brooke and talk about how much time you spent serving. I'm just being real with you. Like, there's people that come to church and they just complain, complain, complain. All the music to you, like, oh, I'm going to go to church that feeds me. Feed me, fat, 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 feed me. I just want to go to church that I'm just so blessed by. Should you be blessed by your church? Absolutely. But the only church you're going to be blessed by most is the church that you're invested in most. So you believe in the vision, you jump on board with the vision, you give your time, you give your energy, you give your resources, you take people out to dinner that are in the community, you come out, you hang out, you live life, you get dirty, you fight, you did it all this stuff, but it's the most blessed thing in the world. Why? Because you're invested. Because you're invested. And sometimes it looks like money. And sometimes it looks like time. Actually, it always looks like those things. It always looks like money. Always like, Why? Because when we're invested, we're invested fully. We're not like halfway in. So that's what happens when, you know, I, I've noticed before when people leave church, usually the, our church, usually the first thing to go is their money. And that's, a, that's right. Of course. We take our money out, we take our heart out. That's just the way it is. <laughs> Y'all okay? Okay. It's kind of like one of those things, like, if you pay for it, you're going to make sure. And it's like if you're paying for the gym every month, you're probably going to go. Right? Unless you got snuckered into a contract, right? And they're like, dang it. Can't really waste all that money. But when you first pay that money and it hurts to pay that money up front, you're like, oh, I'm going. And then your wife's like, well, I don't mind you getting it, but you're going to go. Oh, okay. So, all right. So anyway, enough about that. So put God first. And again, tithing is just a way in, you know, we tithe to the church. Um, so you can give outside of the church. Come on. But uh, we really feel like that when you're invested, you're going to receive more. I hope you all feel my heart on that, right? We're not just greedy. Uh, All right. So number two, be invested with gratefulness. We talked a little bit about being invested. But listen, be faithful and consistent in your situation. Faithfulness starts right now, and it has no end. That's what faithfulness looks like. When, When faithfulness stops, faithfulness is ended. Right? Or that assignment. And sometimes there is assignments. You'll be faithful till the end of that assignment. Boom. And then that assignment's over and you have a new assignment. Right? So faithfulness doesn't end. Um, the job that you have right now. How invested are you? How faithful are you being over little? Oh, a better job. Your energy. You're not well invested there. You have a great. God, I'm grateful I have a job. I know it's flipping patties at McDonald's. I know that I want to say it sucks, but it, I thank you, God, that I have a job, that I can work, that I have legs that can walk me to here and there, and I have arms that can flip those hamburgers. I'm grateful, God, that I have those things. God, I, get, I believe that you're the one that gives me the power to gain wealth. I'm grateful for what I have. Listen, you want to be promoted? Then do good where you're at. No matter what your job is, no matter what your job is, it might be the stinkiest, lamest job. Might be picking up trash. I don't know what it is, but you do that work. You work hard. You be faithful. You you serve it like God is your boss. That's who you're working for. That's what the scripture says that we're working for God, not men. We're really working for God. Everything that we're doing, it's for God. So whether I'm pastoring, right, or whether I'm flipping hamburgers, I'm working for God. People see that, and the kingdom invades it. All right. Y'all okay today? Yeah, quiet. I know it's because I'm talking about money. Okay. Uh, so the wage you have. Well, I don't they didn't pay me more. They pay me more. I do better job. No, 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 no. You do better job, and then you get paid more. It always works that way. Well, you become indispensable. You show up early and you leave late. It's called being faithful. I hate my job. I'm praying for a new job. I'm praying for a new job. I'm praying. I'm praying that you would be glad that you have the job that you have i'm praying that you will serve faithfully and god will reward you with a better job a job and a better job i'm believing that but man wherever you're at that's your assignment god put you there and you're putting the kingdom first oh god i hate flipping hamburgers but i'm around all these people i get to make them hamburgers 
We went to, we, we traveled this week, and we went to In-N-Out on our way out of town. It's kind of our tradi- tradition, In-N-Out's all right. I mean, it's nothing on Whataburger, but it's all right. And so, so anyway, we go to In-N-Out, and the guy's like, hey, can I take your order? I'm like, yeah. Come on. T-. I'm like, this guy's making like eight bucks an hour, and he's like happy to be there. Come on. What's he doing? He's, he's working his way up the corporate ladder. He might not even know it, but by having a good attitude, he is. That might not be the corporate ladder he wants to be in, but God sees so you're complaining about your job is keeping you where you're at. You're complaining where you're at is keeping you where you're at. You're complaining about your wage. You're complaining about your job. Listen, I have a small business, and, uh, you know, I have to treat that like a big business because I'm faithful over little. So I'm on top of it with clients. I mean, that's how I make my money. That's how I make my living. I'm doing all these graphic design stuff. What am I doing? I'm being, I'm, I'm being generous with people. One of the things that um, a lot of people tell me, they're like, oh, man, your prices are too low. You need to raise your prices. I get told that all the time. Yeah, yeah, you're better than that. You should raise your prices. Man, I, I'd rather be generous because God's going to take care of me. And guess what? God has. So wherever you're at, be faithful. When you're faithful with little, God will allow you to rule over much more. Uh, number three, budget. This is real practical. I know I'm getting a little preaching there, but this is real practical today. Listen, everything that comes in, every, every lump of money that you get, okay, every sum of money, inside of that there's bread and there's seed. We've talked a little bit about this, right? And so there's bread. What's bread for? For eating. What's seed for? For planting. Do you eat seed? No. You know, watermelons grow out of your ears. So I used to be told when I was a kid, if you ate watermelons, it's easier. Watermelons. Do you, um, do you plant bread? No. You eat bread. So check this out. Second Corinthians 9.10, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide an increase, your resources, and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So God puts a harvest of generosity in you. Generosity is a cycle. He doesn't just put blessing in your hand, right? He puts a harvest of generosity in you. So by you partaking of that, you don't just get a blessing. You become a blessing. Generosity. Sowing and reaping, it does that. So everything that you get, there's, so how much of that money that you get, maybe you don't buy the whole tithe thing. Well, I don't believe in tithing. I know you don't. God knows, and you know, and that's important, and that's most important. But what of your income is seed? And what of your income is bread? And what is your priority? You look at it. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You look at it. Because <clears throat> listen, you can be just as religious giving 15% and be just as wrong by giving 5% by the, by the posture of your heart. Okay, my philosophy is this. Um, we're talking about budget, right? So this is what I do, okay? Money comes in, I take 10 off the top. Boom. That's God's. I don't touch it. It's sacred. Before Uncle Sam touches it, before anybody, I'm talking about gross, not net. Giving that to God. And then we've chosen to be give above that, so we do an extra 5%. Boom. We just lump that in off the top. That's for my storehouse. That's for my church. The place where I'm planted, the place where I'm rooted. And then in that, that is my seed money. The 10 is my tithe. My 5%, that's my seed money. Right? I don't eat that. That's seed money. And then I, we set some aside for savings. This is how we work. We set some aside for savings, and then we pay our bills. That's smart budgeting, right? I know it's real practical. So what you need to do, listen, if you want to be generous, if you, if you want to be a good steward, then write a thorough budget. When I talk about a thorough, thorough budget, I don't mean write in there, well, this much goes to my car, this much goes to my house, this much goes to my bills. Yes, do that, but also think haircuts. Also think oil changes. Also think gifts, things that you don't normally think of. That's a thorough budget. So you might need to monitor your, your, you might need to look at your bank account over the last month and see where all your money went in order to write a budget. Because you might be spending like 600 bucks a month eating out. I'm not, I'm not criticizing you for that, but it's probably good for you to know that. Right? I mean, if I'm spending that much money eating out and I know that, I'm going to quit eating out so much. If I am. And we have a family of six. So I'm like, oh, that's too much money. Means, you know, we need to trim that way back to like once a week. Right? Yeah, it's rich, rich people problems. They didn't put put onions on my hamburger. Rich people problems. All right. Uh, 
And number four, use wisdom. I, I, I want to give you guys this stuff because I believe it's real practical, and you all know that's really not my wheelhouse, but here we go. In most cases, people struggle financially. Uh, they don't have a money issue. They have a wisdom issue. So most people that struggle financially, it's because they have a wisdom issue. It's not a money issue. It's not, if you had more money, you would have the same problems, right? We, we see this with people that get rich. You know, look at, there, I watched a video the other day of Mike Tyson's mansion that he built whenever he was the champion. And it's like this rotted place. It's just this desolate, you ought to look up. It's, it was sad. I was sitting there like, with, with all this money, right? I was thinking, right? Merry Christmas, right? I was thinking about Mike Tyson living in this big old house with like gold, you know, 24 karat gold knobs on his, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, was, I was really bothered, Mike, because I, I remember Iron Mike, you know, back in the 80s watching a box. I'm like, yeah, God, you know? Knock that guy out, right? So I, I'm thinking about that. And, um, you know, before he started eating ears and things like that. And so, um, but he didn't use wisdom. So now everything that he had, he had filed, several years ago filed for bankruptcy. I'm like, how, how the heck do you have that much money and then have to file for bankruptcy? Because he didn't have a money problem. He had a wisdom problem. So don't talk about how much you have. What are you doing with what you have? It's called stewardship. Number one, don't charge things. Got quiet. You don't want to pay like 27% for the stuff that you're buying for takeout, for chilies, for gasoline. If you ever have to use a credit card, make sure it's an emergency. And my rule is this. We won't put anything on a credit card that's, gonna, that's not going to be here tomorrow. So we don't put food on there. We don't put gas on there. We don't put entertainment on debt. Why? Because those things aren't going to be here tomorrow. Because sometimes we have to go into debt, right? Let's just be honest. I have to buy a car, Right? We have to have a new couch because ours broke, okay? Well, get aggressive, pay that off. And I would recommend that you not ever go into debt, but if you do, make sure that you don't do things that aren't going to be here tomorrow. Don't put food, gas, you know, things that won't be here tomorrow, don't put it on credit card. Uh, because debt is slavery. How can you be generous? If you're paying, if you're paying a 27% or point whatever it is on a credit card, ouch, I can't afford to give God 10%. You're giving 27, is it 20, 27%? No, it's 0.27%, whatever. You're probably paying more to, to, to interest than you are to God. So be careful. I mean, that's money that you could be blessing somebody else with. Instead, you're giving it to some big banker. Big, big fat pocket. I don't mean big like fat. I mean big like pockets. Hey, come here, let me know. Please go into debt. So you'll be paying me for the rest of your life. You can never do what God wants you to do because you're going to be bound to that credit card payment. When extra money comes in, have something to show for it. What I mean by is this. You get blessings. Somebody comes up and goes, man, I just want to bless you, Benny, and they give you a Pentecostal handshake, right? You know what a Pentecostal handshake is? When you shake somebody's hand, it has money in it. And so I, say I give Benny 100 bucks. I wish I would have had some money to give you right now, Benny. But if I give Benny a Pentecostal handshake and it's got 100 bucks in it, then go buy yourself something as a marker for that blessing. Right? Maybe not all of it. Probably not all of it because you probably needed that. That's probably why God used me to provide it. But with some of that, buy something with it. We had, several years ago, we did this. We were serving in El Paso for like eight years. And the church gave us like this big offering. We're like, wow, totally unexpected. It was totally a blessing. We're like, wow, what are we going to do? And, and my dad taught me this at an early age. He said, son, when you get money, when you get a lump sum of, mo- sum of money, don't pay bills with it completely. He's like, if you need to pay for some things, pay for some things. But make sure you buy something. That way you have a marker. So this is when flat screen TVs were first coming out. So we took, I think it gave us like 1300 bucks. So we went and bought an $800 TV, which we sure couldn't afford that then. We sure couldn't afford that now. Yeah, they're, they're cheaper. Now you can get like a, like a 94-inch for that price. And so, I mean, this is like a 32-inch flat screen. We're like, wow, look at when you touch it, it bubbles. And we're like, look at the clarity. And so, you know, now you, you know, get that for like 10 bucks. And so, I probably can't even get that for a garage sale, that TV now. But I remember we bought that, and, and then we sold that and bought a better TV. But every time I see that TV, I remember that time in our life where God blessed us. Why? Because I, I, I produced a marker with that. And so... When you get some money, buy you a little something with it. Have a marker for the blessing. Be blessed. We're talking about when you get extra money, all right? Don't just bless. I just deserve a blessing. I'll have the steak and the $15 drink, right? Uh, careful. So when extra money gets, uh, number two, 
It's raining real hard, so y'all want to stick around anyway. Okay, number two, live within your means. Live within your means. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. Know what you got. Know what you can spend. You can't afford a Mercedes. Don't buy one. I know you look all cool in it, but you, but so will your Nissan. It will get you there easy. Just the same. You will get there. I promise you. And, and, and uh, listen, if you can't afford to eat out, don't eat out. If it's hard for you to eat out, order water. And make sure that you can tip or don't eat out. If you can't tip well, don't eat out. Well, they didn't treat me well. It doesn't matter. It's not about what they do. It's about your riches. And you are rich because you're eating out. Somebody is cooking for you, and they are bringing you food. You are rich. And if you can afford to eat out, then you're tipping at least 20% because you represent the kingdom of God. And that's on crappy service. Well, they didn't do me very good, so I guess I'm only going to give them 20%. Not, I'm not leaving the world anymore with a dollar. Well, that's real good representative of the kingdom. Especially your attitude towards them, you orphan. <laughs> Seriously, how are we acting? Are we orphans or are we royalty? We are royalty. We need to act like it. It's not according to what they deserve. It's according to how good our God is and how good we are. It doesn't speak of them. It speaks of you. Okay. Don't overspend. Number three, be frugal. And this is, this is our rule. With a service, always be generous. When I'm dealing with a person, I always want to be generous. I always want to bless them. Why? Because I'm blessed. Right? I'm blessed. And we're not, when we talk about blessed, we're not talking about money necessarily. But I already taken care of, so I want to take care of this guy. He just waited on us. So I'm going to give him like 30%. Why? Because I'm blessed. He was terrible. But I'm doing it anyway. So with the service, always be generous. Someone provides a service for you. Always be generous. For a product, always be frugal. Listen, don't get so enamored by name brand things. There is a value in value. If you need the value, then go ahead and buy the value if it will last longer. There's one, one thing to be valuable. It's another thing to be expensive, right? An $80 pair of shoes isn't always expensive. Sometimes that's what it's worth. But sometimes you can get a $30 pair of shoes that are worth 80 bucks. That's called being frugal. So be frugal. That's what we do. Leslie's like, no, we can get it for like, we like spend money to save money. Right? It's like, it's 50% off. We've got to spend some money, right? Careful, right? Because you're not really being frugal. You're still spending. I saved like $100, but you spent like 200 So you didn't save anything. You actually lost $200. So there is a value of value. Listen, don't have the nice thing for the nice thing's sake. Don't feel like you have to wear Nikes because everybody's got them. And no, 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 If Adidas will work or whatever, Shaq. <laughs> okay, anyway, that's another story. Um, Best, what we're talking about is best quality for the price. So find a good deal. Why? Because you're buying a thing. With people, be generous. Buy somebody else those shoes. Listen, it's better for you to go buy somebody else a pair of $95 Nikes than it is for you to buy yourself a pair of $95 Nikes. And you can settle for the $35 ones that you got on sale. Or you buy, the, buy one, get one half off. You buy them both, you keep the half off, and you give that person the full price one. That's what we're talking about. Or you buy two pair of shoes, and you go give a, a pair to the homeless guy. Or do you a pastor? All right, so just kidding. All right, just kidding, just kidding. I need to hurry. I'm, I'm totally playing. Don't buy me Nikes. I don't wear Nikes. Okay. I don't wear athletic shoes, as you can tell. I know that you, I'm blowing your mind right now, but I don't wear athletic shoes. I know you're thinking, really? You look that good? <laughs> How do you run? You run in those boots? <laughs> no, I chop wood with them. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So be frugal. All right. All right, Nathan, can you come up? We're closing. We're, we're past time. Man, I'm doing this all three weeks. It's because y'all get so long in worship, so. Now, listen, we're talking a lot about stewardship today, but really it's about what's in our hand. And, uh, again, we talked a lot about money today, but it's anything. Come on, it's anything. It's our time. It's, it's our resources. It's our energy. There's a, there's a scripture of... Wait for Nathan, kind of, because we can set the mood here. Um, in First uh, Kings chapter 17, uh, there's a story. Isn't that funny how we do that? All of our campuses. <laughs> okay. Uh, prophesy. Okay. 
there's a drought in the land. This is First Kings chapter 17. There's a, there's a drought in the land. Actually, Elijah's the one that calls it down. And he goes to this town called Zarephath. And when he gets to the city gate, there's this woman there. And she's a widow. And she's picking up sticks. Now, we don't really know why she's picking up sticks, probably to build a fire or something. Or who knows? Who knows what she's doing? But she's a poor widow. And she's outside of town picking up sticks. And Elijah comes to her and he's like, hey, can you give me some water? She's like, yeah, sure, I'll get you some water. And she goes, and, and while she's walking away, he says, oh, yeah, and some bread. Bring me some bread, too, because I'm kind of hungry. Not just thirsty, I'm hungry. So she fires back at Elijah, and I'm just going to paraphrase this story. Probably butcher it. And she says, hey, um, there's a problem. I just have, like, enough bread for one more meal. That's all I have. And so what's going to happen today is, I was gathering these sticks, and I'm going to go home and start a fire, and we're going to cook this bread, the last meal, and my son and I, we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. And Elijah says, oh, hold up. If you go and you make that bread for me, in fact, I'm going to come to your house, and if you give me that bread, you'll never lack bread. And so it says this, that she went away and did as Elijah told her. 1 Kings 17, 15. She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. It says, for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word, the Lord spoke to Elijah. See, it's not really about how much you have because we see the most miraculous miracles in Scripture weren't through rich people. The most resourceful miracles in Scripture were through poor people who took whatever they had and put it in the Master's hand. God, I just got a little oil. We see it later with Elisha doing the same thing his spiritual daddy Elijah did. I just got a little oil. He said, well, you go ahead and you pour out that oil. Give Give it to the Lord. And she never ran out of oil again. We see a, a young boy that showed up with lunch that day that had just a few fish and a, a few pieces of bread. And Jesus said, will you give it to me? And the multitudes were fed. God works the miraculous whenever we give him what we have. The little bit will only go as far as that we're willing to surrender it to God. And I want to close with this statement. It says, we have the most when we surrender all that we have to God. See, we don't have the most when we hold it. We have the most when we surrender it.